Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I'm so thankful for God and His Word. (laughs) Whether it's written or those principles are pulled into lyric, amen, I'm just so thankful to know. Amen. I think about the Apostle Paul, the great storm on the way to Rome. And he said, an angel has stood by me tonight. People were uncertain, not knowing what to do. And he said, I, I feel the same wind that you feel. I see the same lightning you see. I feel and hear the same thunder that you hear. But an angel stood by me. And the angel said, "If just stay with the ship. Just stay with the ship. There's something that can hold us in times and seasons of uncertainty. Thank you, Brother Tim, for that song and the spirit of it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in Ephesians 2 and 8. And uh, just pray for the Spirit of the Lord to help us. Would you just do your best to stay connected to what you feel right now? What a sweet presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, and this is not just an advertisement, but there's nothing like Wednesday night church. It is very, very unique. There's just, I think, a very special and sweet abiding spirit and presence of the Lord that meets us here. And so I'm glad that I'm, I'm glad that I'm here tonight and pray that the Lord will help us. Now, I've got to do both. I've got to preach and do the media tonight. And the good news is I get paid for preaching and I get paid for the media. I get their salary tonight as well. (laughs) And uh, so we're gonna be heading on vacation tomorrow morning real early. I'm joking. But I I haven't done this in a long time, so I pray I can stay coordinated because they have me spoiled rotten. They just, I say it and they just shoot it up there. And uh, so if there's a little delay tonight, just say blessing Jesus under your breath. And we'll make it, how's about that? The book of Ephesians chapter two and verse number eight. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And tonight, if the Lord will just help me, I wanna do my very, very best to talk to you about connecting heaven and earth. I've read over these scriptures many times and then more specifically obviously today but in considering the very issue of salvation and this scripture for by grace are you saved through faith I, I just kept hearing echoing over and over in my mind the words of David who said what is man that thou art mindful of him I, I don't know about you I I say that loosely, I think I do. But I sure, don't, I sure don't know what the Lord sees in me. Amen. I mean that as humbly as I can possibly state it. 
I am completely blown away that the Lord would entrust me with something as valuable as his word and the truth of his word. I don't know all there is to know and I pray daily to give me a greater understanding of your word and greater insight, but I'm so thankful. And I can join David hand in hand and I think many of you, if not everyone standing here and say, Lord, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Full of failure, full of mistakes and fragile, uh, beyond the telling. But yet God took this vessel, this earthen vessel, and oh, what a treasure. Oh, what a treasure he gave us. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for your word. And I mean it sincerely tonight when I stand before you and say thank you for the value, Lord, that you have placed in me and the trust that you have placed in me. And I'm asking you tonight, Lord, to help us as we consider your word. Make this journey now. Help us to make this journey and make it successful. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, just so you know, they don't get paid to do the media. <laughs> just so you know. A few services ago, we had uh, the Campbells here and their girls sang and, and as uh, often try to do is give our guest speakers, their children, a little token offering of some sort. And so I gave... Of course, Will was, he was just here. He was the organizer, I suppose, behind the scenes. But, uh, but I gave him a little offering as well. And, and um, Jordan, when she picked up her check, she looked at the check and she looked at me and she said, we should have sang two songs. <laughs> yeah. I had already planned to say this. I had already planned to tell her, I said, now this is just an offering. Don't you think that you're getting paid for singing because everywhere you go, somebody's not gonna give you a little check for singing. I wanted to go ahead and put that fire out before it got started, but she beat me to the draw. And so uh, I suppose they're gonna have a long list of there'll be a medley, I suppose, when they come back. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for great volunteers who help us do everything that's done around here. I don't know about you, but there have been seasons in my life where I felt like that heaven was very near. Just, you could just almost whisper the name of Jesus and just feel the presence of God. And it was not difficult. I've, I've enjoyed seasons of time where the power and the presence of the Lord was just so evident that it just almost seemed palatable, just tangible, that you could just feel not a vapor of, the, of God, but you could just feel the presence of the Lord. And, and I can tell you from my heart and from experience that it isn't hard to preach and pray and teach and sing and operate when you feel heaven manifesting itself in that manner. However, there have also been seasons of my life where it just seemed like heaven was so far away. And it seemed as though that prayers were just just falling from my lips into my lap. And it just seemed as though that heaven, as they say, were brass. Seasons that you just couldn't seem to bridge the gap between where I was and where I wanted to be. Am I speaking to anybody in the house? I was here 
and I wanted to be there, but with all the strength that I could muster, both mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I just could not seem to pull those two worlds together. I'm not talking about living a life of sin or in some backslidden condition, but at just a season of time that it just seemed like there was such a chasm, that great gulf that the scripture talks about that, that seemingly was there, a chasm that I could not seemingly penetrate through any measure of faith that I was exercising or prayers that I prayed. I believe that we've all experienced that, in all honesty. I believe that we've all had those times that heaven seemed so near and yet other times that heaven or heavenly things seem so far away. I believe the Apostle Paul is giving us some great insight to this issue, and if we're not over careful, if we're not careful rather, we can overlook a very, very powerful blessing in the scripture. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So Paul said that God has given us two powerful gifts to help connect heaven and earth. It's especially, I think, important to remember when you're passing through the storms, <laughs> when it seems like you feel the anchor just tugging but the wind pulling the other way. So if you could just capture this mental picture in, in your mind, when Paul says, for by grace are you saved through faith. If you could just picture this in your mind, that grace is the hand of God reaching down, but faith is the hand of man reaching up. And so through grace are you, are you saved, through faith are you, by grace are you saved rather, through faith. It is the grace of God that reaches down to common man, but there has to be a response from man. If we're gonna connect those two worlds, then God can't do all the reaching. Somehow or another, we have got to extend our faith back heavenward to be able to realize that God's hand reaches for me, but I must extend my hand toward him. And so by the act of God's grace reaching down and through the faith of man's hand reaching up, we connect two very, very important worlds. The one that we live in now, of course, and then the one that we desire to live in for eternity. However, there are times that we must feel or taste that world which is to come. I'm, I'm very humbled by the presence of the Lord and I don't ever wanna get over the wonder of being in the presence of the Lord. I don't want this to ever get mundane. What we felt a moment ago I say this many times, especially on Wednesday nights, I have no earthly idea what you had to get through to get here tonight. And so when, the, uh, when we come together from all points and places, not just geographically, but when we come together with all manner of issues that are going on in your lives right now and in mine, but we come here and at 7.30 sharp, we just begin to worship the Lord. And I don't know about you, but it just seems like there's just a hand that just stops the assailing winds. And, and for a season of time, I, I, I'm just gonna get everything that I can out of this. Why? Because I'm saturated in the world that I'm living in. But I come here tonight, not just to see you, and that's a wonderful benefit and blessing, 
but I came here tonight to get a taste of the world which is to come, to just get a measure of that poured on me. Remind, remind me one more time. Mm. And so I, I just, I must feel that. I need to taste that. I, I need to, to somehow let that touch me and saturate some por- portion of my, of my soul. And so despite this desire, so many times we can circumvent the will of God or the plan of God for our lives by, by trying to do everything on our own. And if we come to church and uh, in, during a worship service, if our mind is just so wrapped up in what's going on in our world and we fail to enter into a season and spirit of worship and praise, we rob ourselves of letting God intercept what's going on in our life. If we come to church, but yet somehow we allow the issues of life to distract us from the very word of God that's being preached or taught right now, not because I'm saying it, but because this is saying it. If we allow that, if we allow that to rob us, then we are circumventing what God is really wanting to do in our lives by saying, we got this, I can handle this on my own. But I wanna join a number of people tonight and look heavenward and say, we don't have this. And we can't do this on our own. I can't handle this. I don't even wanna try. I don't even wanna try. Years ago, there was a, a man in our home church who uh, was a just a huge, enormous, strong man. He was not an over, overweight. When I say huge, I don't mean it that way, but just a very strong man. I've referred to him many times through the years. And, and uh, he had been in the Marine Corps. He was, he was a, a man's man for sure. And he loved to work out. And he literally had manhole covers with holes bored in the center. And that's what he used as weights. And I'm not kidding. My wife can attest to this. And, and that, that was his weights. And he could, he could do it, friend. And so one night he got all of the, or one period of time, he got all the young guys in the church. I was young one time. He got all the young guys in the church kind of all fired up about um, lifting weights and working out and things of that nature. So we go over to his house and just watch him lift those weights. It was pretty impressive. And so one night I said, I just want to feel it. I know I can't lift it, (laughs) but I just want to feel what this feels like. And and so you just finished the rest of that. It's a miracle that I'm even here tonight. It's it's just a miracle. Let's say, let's say I failed the test. We'll just put it that way. But, but we just wanted to feel the weight, see what that feels like. And so if we're not careful, we're trying to work this out on our own and we think we really wanna do that until we truly feel the weight. When you watch someone else do it, you watch somebody else go through it, it seems like it's not that big of a deal, but when we have to go through it. Amen, when we, when we have to make that journey, then all of a sudden it's a completely different ball game, not because we're selfish, but because we're human. And so when we're trying to work it out on our own, we realize how earthly we are. We realize how frail we are. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah has to say about this in Jeremiah 2 and 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. They've committed two evils. Here's one. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. Number two, they have hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. So it's very important that we first all see who this scripture is written to. He said, this is my people that have done this. So he's not talking to center row, but he's talking to the church, my people. 
And so he said that this is a notice that is served to the church, in other words. The Lord says that they have done two things. They have committed two evils against me. They have forsaken me, and I am the fountain of living water. And this is what they have traded me for. They have hewn them out, citrons, but not just any cistern. They, he went on to say they are hewed them out. They have hewed them out broken cisterns that hold no water. Now, if we can just think about the two contrasting images that Jeremiah has portrayed here, he said they have traded fountains of living water. They have traded a, a fountain of fresh supply, an in, unending supply for broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so if we're not careful that we can have this great experience and understand, let me pause right here a moment and say this, that what a privilege it is to come into the house of God and feel the presence of the Lord. But also, aren't you glad that you knew what to do when you felt the presence of the Lord? I'm glad that I know how to respond to that. Amen, I'm not, not re thinking that I'm a professional responder, but hear me. I'm glad that, that I didn't get uncomfortable when I felt the presence of the Lord a moment ago. Some people do. I'm glad that I didn't feel eerily strange when I felt the presence of the Lord. Some people do. They don't know how to respond to that. They're unfamiliar with that. But I'm glad when I felt the presence of the Lord, everything that had been pressing against my mind today and this week and everything that had been pushing against my spirit, I just kind of felt that get all brushed to the side. And I thought, I don't know about anybody else, but I got to step into this. I've got to taste this. I need to, I need to bathe myself in this. I need to let some of this get in me, not just on me. And so I'm thankful that I know, uh, I'm glad that I know the value of worship and the value of, of, of praise and the adoration that we can give to God. Many people have forsaken that aspect, that worship of God for the pleasures of this world and other things and, and it's just not that big of a deal. Now, I wanna tell you something, if you're in the church house and somebody says, aren't you thankful for what you feel and you don't feel anything, and you look around and it appears that people around you are feeling something. They are experiencing something. We need to check our pulse and make sure that everything's all right. Because if other people are feeling God, if God is in the house and I can't feel him, I gotta get some junk out of the way. I gotta take, I gotta take some time. It's, it's not an accident. The, the Bible declares in the last days that people would be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now, I'm not gonna go on a preacher tangent here, but that's the truth. We see that in the very hour that we live. <laughs> lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And uh, there are people that do uh, uh, just un in unthinkable things. They just go to the nth degree to be a part of worldly pleasures or worldly entertainment. There's no price too high. The ticket sales will not, uh, the ticket price will not get too high. The motel bill will not get too high. The gas prices will not get too high. The weather will not be too bad. People sit through storms. Think about it. Much of the football season and, and a lot of the racing season, these are outdoor arenas and things of that nature are or many of them are, and, and they're played during the wintertime. And there are people that sit in the snow, people that sit in the rain, and uh, the race gets canceled on Sunday because of the rain. They miss work on Monday. Thank God. We're a hallelujah, glory to God. We're here. We got a chance. It went into overtime. Well, and and, and, and the, the wind can just shift on Wednesday afternoon, and the phone starts ringing. Are we having church? 
<laughs> I mean, you would just get a small little cough and we'd wonder, oh, I don't know if I can do this or not. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. I'm not on a tangent. I'm just talking about the real truth. Stadiums packed to, to the... To, to, to the wall and, and uh, those of you who know about this Bristol or anything about NASCAR you know about Bristol and, and Bristol racing and I know that, that that's changed a little bit with the economy but for years and years and years there's no such thing as getting a ticket to that race they're, they're sold out for years in advance and people that owned uh, tickets they passed them down and to their family on and on and on and on because we're going to get in there we're going to pack it and we're going to do everything that we can there's nothing wrong with that I'm not saying that but what I'm saying is that when that takes the place of church when we've got a greater bent in us for something like that, then that's how we ought to feel about church. Am I out here by myself? That's how we ought to feel about the kingdom of God. Come on, come on. We with Lovers of pleasures. That's what the scripture said. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And oh, how blatantly we see that played out before us today. Not just in North America, but all around, all around the world. And so I've got to realize that, that I can't let that passion get me more than the passion of the kingdom of God and the matters of the kingdom of God. God has a plan and we must reach within, with every fiber of our soul to follow that plan. As long as Israel followed the plan of God, they, they were united, they had a purpose for their lives and they prospered. However, when Israel said, well, I, we're not satisfied being separated. We're not satisfied standing out. We're not satisfied being uh, identified as such and we want a king. We want a king like everybody else. I don't think that's what you want. Oh, that's what we want. We want a king just like everybody else and so they finally got one and soon they became divided and they became weak. In the New Testament, God provided the government for his church directly under his word, the umbrella of his word. And so if we, like Israel, forsake the word of God, we too will become divided and we too will become weak. Never doubt, never doubt the value of picking this book up every day. Never doubt, I know the bread program, we talk about that. There's many, many things kin to that. And if we're not careful, we can just think, oh, there's nothing to do that. But never doubt the value of just getting a little little bit of that word in your heart. Never doubt just committing some of that to memory and committing some of that to the fiber of our soul. I want that. I want that because I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be divided. I'm going to tell you what made the church stand in days of old. Hear me today. I'm not preaching against and not against any of the techn technology that we have or any of the benefits or blessings that we have, but hear me. What brought the church, what drug the church through the sands of time to where we are today has not been wonderful, beautiful buildings. It has not been a lot of gift and talented people. It has not been, it, it, it has not been ivory towers, hear me. What has brought us where we are today has been men and women that had such a passion for the kingdom of God, the word of God, the work of God, until nothing could hinder them, nothing could get in their way, a drive and a passion to be what God wanted them to be. I have some things in my life that I desire and I feel like these desires will be the same for many of you. I want the power of God in, at work in my life. 
I want the power of God at work in the life of our church. I want the power of God alive and at work in our home. I want the power of God at work and alive in our marriage and in our family. But if I am to be successful in any or all of these areas, then I'm going to have to know how to connect heaven and earth. I'm gonna have to know how to deal with and respond to the hand of God that is reaching down. And when God reaches for me, amen, I wanna make sure that my hand is reaching for him. Hallelujah, can you clap your hands to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. You know, sometimes when my wife and I are, are walking, <clears throat> walking along wherever we may be walking, and uh, if she reaches out to take my hand and I miss that, and I miss that cue somehow, you know, my mind somewhere else, I'm thinking about something else, I look up every now and then and I'll just see her hand doing this. <laughs> she's being real nice, but she's saying, hey, sport. You're missing a cue here. And, and, and so I see some heads nodding. So we've all been there. And so I, I got to know that when, when she reaches out her hand to mine, it's time for my hand to hit hers. And so I'm not in trouble and I'm not trying to dig my way out of a trench here. Amen. <laughs> but I'm telling you that when we look up and God is doing this, when we feel the presence of God, it's time to unfold your arms, sir. When you feel the presence of God, I'm not just trying to talk about Jackie and I, but when you feel the presence of God, it, it, it's, not time, it's, it's not time to sit through church with your arms folded, wondering how many more times they're gonna sing this song or how many more, how much longer is the preacher gonna take tonight. When you feel the hand of God reaching down, it is time, ma'am, it's time, sir. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what kind of pressing issues are pulling, I've gotta slip my hand. I'm talking about connecting heaven and earth connecting two worlds. Amen, I'm talking about the value, the value of connecting these two worlds. How am I going to do that? How can I accomplish that? I'm going to do that. I am going to do that by reaching and responding when the spirit and the power and the presence of the Lord moves. When God moves, when God moves, I must move. Amen. Amen. I, I'm trying to think of these words. If I can't get this out, somebody help me real quick. But I was raised on an old course that went like this. You, you better move. You better move. When the Lord gets ready, you better move. Amen. You, you better do something, whatever word you fill in with. About a dozen words we filled in that little slot there with. But when the Lord gets ready. <laughs> amen. When the Lord gets ready. Amen. And there, there's so much truth to that. Whether it's clap, whether it's, whether it's shout, whether it's move, whatever it is. When the spirit of the Lord starts moving, it is now. It is right then. Why? Why? Not so we can high five ourselves on the way out. No, not so we can boast and brag and, and, and post something on Facebook about how wonderful the service was. No, whenever the spirit of God reaches down, it is the responsibility of man to reach up. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It is the grace of God and the faith of man that is pulling two worlds together. What is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man that thou art mindful of with him? If I am to be successful, then I have got to be very, very sensitive about connecting heaven and earth. I wanna be very clear. When I'm talking about wanting the power of God in my life, I'm not just talking as a pastor. 
but I'm speaking as a man, a husband, a father. I certainly need God as a shepherd and I think that ought to go without saying. But when the lights are all turned out, when these instruments are all folded away and when this building is all tucked in for the night in the next few days, hear me, Steve Allen Boyd needs a walk and a relationship with God for myself. I can't just try to worry about connecting God or heaven and earth Sunday. I need to be thinking about that for tomorrow because I don't want to dare try to live from now until Sunday on what I get tonight. I don't want the voice of God to be drowned out, the clamoring noise of this world to drown out the voice of God for me in this hour. Therefore, I cannot submit myself to the things of this world. I have to come out from among them and be separate. God is mandating a difference in his bride. There is a reality that cannot be lost to us this evening and that is that there are two worlds now at this very second in time that are negotiating for our lives. Both of them are spiritual in nature. The things of this present world seem to clamor day and night, don't they? I feel pulled, amen, for a season in one direction and then pulled in another direction until sometimes you almost feel like you're being pulled apart. Can I get a witness in this house? Just life itself just demands here, demands there. Amen, a pull here, a pull there, and after a while you think there's not near enough of me to go around, not nearly enough of my mind left, not enough of my strength left, of my thought process left. And Satan, in his obnoxious manner, is working overtime to divide the very soul and the heart of men. The agenda, I believe, is blatantly revealed to us on a daily basis. The noise of this present world system is working to drown out the voice and the will of God for his children. And when he succeeds in these areas, even if it is only incrementally, ultimately he will succeed in frustrating the purpose of what God is trying to do in our lives and in the life of the church. Hear me, let me say that again. When he succeeds, even if it is only incrementally, he successfully stops and stymies or hinders or frustrates the work and the will of God. And so I have got to be careful that I say, Lord, don't let me miss an opportunity to connect these two worlds. I want to stand with David and say, what is man that you're mindful of us? I don't know the answer to that. I feel terribly inadequate, but oh, I do know this. He said that if I would just exercise my faith, his grace would reach down. If my faith could just reach back. It is not about pedigrees. It is not about last names. It is not about DNA. It is not about our social status. It is not about our financial status. It is not about any of those things. God loves mankind. He created us in his own image, in his own likeness. Yes, he did. He did, and he said, if I reach down and if you'll just reach back, we together, we together can make it. Hallelujah. If we're not careful, we too can find ourselves in the same dilemma that Elijah found himself. While searching for the Lord in the strong wind, the earthquake, and the fire, he almost missed the still, small voice. Surely he's here. No. Surely he's there. No. Maybe he's over here. No. And he found him in the still, small voice. And so that's why... When God reveals himself in a still, small voice, 
I must realize and recognize the value of me coming away and responding accordingly when he says, come away. What must be made abundantly clear this evening is this, that we'll never hear the still small voice if we are not submitted to the will of God in our lives. I felt challenged this afternoon, and if you'll just bear with me here, to read a few scriptures from the book of Exodus. It's a familiar passage to many that are sitting here, but please let me read them just one more time because it is a snapshot of Moses and God at a very intimate point in Scripture. It's also important to see the dialogue that has taken place between God and man. I'm going to read this passage very intentionally because I want you to see the attempt that Moses is making to connect heaven and earth. And so this is the Moses speaking here. I'm not wanting to insult your intelligence. I just want you to understand the dialogue that is going on here. Moses says, now therefore I pray thee if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And God responds and says, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. Can you think about just talking to God like this? You say something, God says something. You say something. God says something. The Lord said, my presence will go with thee and I will give thee rest. And then Moses said, if thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. For wherein, for wherein he said, shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in the in that thou goest with us, so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Now the Lord said unto Moses after that, I will do this thing. I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. <laughs> and Moses said, I beseech thee, Show me thy glory. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Verse 20, he said, Thou canst not see my face for there no man can see me and live. And verse 21, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me and thou shalt stand upon this rock. A dialogue between God and man. What a beautiful word picture we see. And before you think it, let me just jar it out of your mind. Please don't say, well, that was Moses and I'm not Moses. Moses was God's creation and we are God's creation and he is no respecter of man. The power and the majesty of God was now making provision for the frailty of humankind. Ephesians, one more time. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. 
And again, Paul said that he's given us these two powerful gifts, grace and faith. And I, I, I'm glad that I have the privilege of having this kind of relationship with my creator. I'm going to have to, to, to draw as close to him as I possibly can. And I must respond when he responds. Somehow, however, in this desperate pursuit of happiness, there are people in this world today that are forsaking the house of God. In the, in, the, in the midst of this privilege that we've been given God and man to be able to have communion, there are people that, that are in desperate opposition to this. They're wanting to walk the other way. Amen, I must learn how to respond when he calls me. Move when he speaks. Amen. I mean, there are some people when they call your name, you can decide whether or not you're gonna respond. There are others when they call your name, you better be in gear. Am I right? Amen. So if, if I, I want to say this, this afternoon that, that I don't want to forsake God in this hour, but I want to pursue God in this hour. I, they're, what they're doing, what people are doing in this season of time to walk away from God, to go back to our scripture in Jeremiah, they are trading a fountain of living water for cisterns that Jeremiah said won't even hold water. Trying to satisfy what God has for us will never work with worldly work with worldly pleasures. Hear me, you, you can't fill yourself up on enough things and stuff and, and this and that and the other. Has, uh, uh, Solomon wrote in, in uh, Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote, oh, I've tried it all, I've done this. If you read Ecclesiastes from beginning to end, oh, what an interesting read it is to say I've been here, I've done this, I've had this, I've had that, and I can tell you that it is all vanity and vexation of the spirit. There is nothing, it just comes short of what? Why? Because we are spirit-created beings, and when God breathed life into us, we became a living soul. That wasn't just oxygen he blew into the nostrils of, of Adam, but it was his spirit, hear me. And so when God created us, he created us after his image, and we cannot be satisfied with anything beyond the realm of that. Oh God, when you've known the power of God, when you've known the anointing of God, there is nothing that can ever quite quench the thirst. There's nothing that can ever quite satisfy. You can run to the ends of the earth, go as far away from God as you wanna get, but when you lay down at night, there is an echo. There's a hollowness in the spirit and the soul of man. They are cisterns without water. Jeremiah, that won't hold water. Jeremiah said that they were hewn cisterns. What are hewn cisterns? One writer said they are the best effort to match God. The Bible says they won't even hold water. They're broken. They may hold water for a while, but after a while it's all gonna leak out and be gone, eventually dry. But he said that he was a fountain of living water. Oh, what water represents cleansing and washing and healing, eternal life. Our focus this evening has been on Ephesians 2 and 8. My grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. However, we need to understand that this central truth has already been mentioned, not just in the book of Ephesians, but already been mentioned in the same chapter of Ephesians. Ephesians 2 and 1, and when he and he and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, when you ask yourself sometimes, when you ask others sometimes, I wonder what made them do that. I wonder what people are thinking. Why are they running in this direction? Why are they running in that direction? 
Christian. Why are they selling themselves so short? Why, why, why? Here's why. Because they are not even walking according to their own will or their own way, but they're walking the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air. Are you hearing me? Amen. If you're not serving the Lord, we need our, we leave ourselves wide open to be serving the Satan. Amen. So we're following after him, the spirit that now worketh in children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, and, and for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together by Christ, by grace ye are saved. This is repeated in verse number eight to open the subject more fully to our understanding. On the part of God, salvation, of course, is by grace. On the part of man, salvation is through faith. One commentary referring to salvation said it best. Salvation does not come to us by an involuntary act. Light just falls in our eyes. Sounds fall on our ears. Air enters into our lungs. And so salvation does not come to us by some involuntary act. Salvation must be received by faith. As our musicians come, somewhere along the line, we responded in faith. Whether it was a song, a sermon, whatever the setting may have been, we responded by faith. I know for many, the journey back to that particular moment may be covered up by decades. But hear me tonight, if you could just somehow slip your, your feet back into those shoes you were wearing that moment. When we stepped out, we stepped out in faith. Not faith in us faith in him somebody preached a message that pierced the armor of our soul and our heart that up until that moment had been successful in deflecting the shields the swords and the, the spears so to speak of conviction but for whatever reason that night it penetrated and so we stepped out by faith we just responded to God and God, true to his word, baptized us with his spirit. Unworthy, sure. Had everything together? Absolutely not. But by faith, we just stretched ourselves toward God somehow. So I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know if I can even do this. Am I talking to anybody tonight? I don't even know if I can live this. I don't even know if I can do this. But we responded by faith. Perhaps the book of Timothy gives us some final insight keeping, to keeping these two worlds connected. If you'd stand with me, please. 2 Timothy 1 and 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. And I'm going to tell you this was not one of the finest hours in human 
thinking or respects. Paul said, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and has called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now think about that, if you will. Paul writing to Timothy with some powerful words of admonition and insight. He says that we're not called according to our works, but we're called according to his own purpose. He further states that that purpose was given before the world began. It's humbling to me to think that God had a purpose for me from the very beginning. For for me, and I'm sure for others, I can relive that moment very easy because I happen to be standing in the same building where I made the commitment. And so I can't imagine that In 1979, in the month of August, I was standing right about here feeling horribly inadequate that I could even live for God because I'm going to confess I had made many, many attempts and failed. In and out, in and out, in and out. Anybody ever been there? So I I didn't walk down to this particular spot with great faith in me. I had little faith in me. But I stepped out somehow with faith in God. And it's humbling for me to think that God at that moment had a purpose for me in the kingdom. We're not born in the kingdom and then we leave God scratching his head wondering, where am I gonna plug them in? (laughs) Where am I gonna use them? How... Oh, I didn't anticipate them showing up tonight. I didn't anticipate this. I wonder how I could somehow use them. No, no, no. We don't leave God scratching his head. He already has a purpose. He already knows. That's exciting, isn't it? A little overwhelming, but it's exciting to think that God already knows. He already knows. And so never will a man walk with more confidence than when he is walking in the path that God has laid for him. When we walk in God's plan for our lives, we then connect heaven and earth. We connect these two worlds. Amen. I wonder if you just step out of your seat. Could we just close our service with family prayer tonight? Would you let God, would you let God touch you this evening? I want him to touch me. Lord, I love you and I thank you for the privilege, the privilege that we've been given. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.